this uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, Joe, my co-host Nick, and Dan, and gentlemen. We have the Malmo match review. That is right. Midweek Champions League excitement. Dan, <sighs> soak it in. Soak it in. I don't know if exciting is the word I would use to describe it, but it certainly was midweek football, and it certainly was a championship, uh, Champions League match. So, you know, that, that does track. That Those are both accurate things that you said, Brandon. Are you fact-checking me now? I am. I do have to fact check you. you. You drop a lot of false truths in here. We just need to make sure uh, people okay. are aware of that. Mm, slander, libel. Um, Nick, did you see our boy? Uh, uh, I'm just blanking all of a sudden. Terry getting featured on the official Instagram story today. Terry, Terry. Yeah, look, Terry Kamatsu is one of the nicest and coolest people in the Chelsea Twitterverse. Can't confirm. Um, can't confirm. Uh, we we drank a handful. I think is the appropriate number of beers uh, in Porto with him before winning the Champions League. So, uh, Terry, if you're listening, congratulations on being a superstar. And also, uh, remember us when you're famous, and maybe we'll have a couple more of those beers, huh? Yeah, a handful, definitely metric system for measurement of beers. <laughs> I can I can confirm, Dan. Fact check that, my man. Uh, look, we're going to be talking about how the Cobham graduates continue to contribute in a big big way for this team. Then we're going to talk about the curious case of Kai Havertz and Hakim Ziyech. And then we'll also look at the group results, the table, and our thoughts about a new manager for another team in London. What the f- oh my word, Antonio, breaking my heart. <laughs> but three-word match for you to kick it off, Dan. What do we have? Well, it was uh, Bert Cubed with the wonderful Borking, Borking Chelsea, where he took the Swedish chef from Muppets that was really nice. That was good. Um, John with the sorry but mal no. Tana with good. the Ruben Loftus on fleek. Chad McGibbon with the Chocho train. Bringing back a little classic there. Grizz with the Hudson Adoy magic shop. Yeah? Yeah? So we're, so we're saying Hudson Adoy is one word because of the hyphen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. We're not going to let Brandon Busby stand in the way of fun here. Uh, Chris got the that fucking pass with the uh, kind of fingers emojis with just the kind of mm, chef's perfect. Chris. Yeah. John with the Moroccan muddles Malmo. Chris with the pink goalkeeper? Question mark? Goal! Exclamation point. And then Mr. Stick, uh, just jumping in the Discord, big Chelsea fancast listener. And he had to go there, Nick. He had to go there with the... Why not us? Look, Mr. Stick, I know you may be new around these parts, but um, I don't appreciate your trolling. Uh, I don't appreciate it whatsoever. I, I do. He does not appreciate it. <laughs> I do. I do appreciate your, your optimism. Um, but it, it kind of feels like we're getting back to the point of last year where... Dan has decided that why not us is a flexible term that can mean anything whatsoever that he wants it to mean and has not specified what the hell it actually means. Um, so it's November. It's, it's more winning, on winning Dan. everything. That's what it is. It's winning everything. Anything, why not us is winning everything, everything? Dan, anything yeah. and everything. All right. Well, <sighs> let us jump into our three word match reviews. I put Kai sacrificial lamb. That's right. I think he's getting the short end of the stick with all the injuries. Uh, Dan, what about you? Look, uh, since it was the middle of a workday, this is where my mind went, but it was a successful business trip. 
<laughs> you got on the plane, you went to close the deal, the deal was closed, you got home in time, and it was all good. Good stuff. Define middle of the workday. That's a very fluid and ambiguous term in our lives, I feel like. Middle of the workday. Exactly. Not the beginning, not the end, just somewhere in the 10 hours in between. So, um, Nick, over to you. Uh, I'm going to do uh, a, a coach that I hate is Bill Belichick, uh, but I do appreciate his uh, not so dulcet tones and the way he grumbles into a mic. You might have picked up on the last podcast that I did this, but uh, I'll do my best Belichick here. Uh, we're, we're on to Burnley. So on to Burnley, three words, bam. On to Burnley. All right, no Apple Podcast reviews, so all we do is ask you, drop the five stars. We'll drop a shout-out. It's that easy. So as you jump into the match here, it was Malmo this past Tuesday, the 2nd of November, and it was in the Champions League at the Swedbank Stadion. The score, in case you somehow missed it, Malmo nil, Chelsea won. The goal coming from Hakim Ziyech in the 56th minute. No fifth stand highlights, so Dan, right to you with the lineup. Well, it was the king of clean sheets, Edouard Mendy, in between the sticks for Chelsea this evening. It was Andreas Christensen, Antonio Rudiger, and Thiago Silva as your back three with a midfield of Jorginho and RLC himself, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, with the wingbacks being none other than Marcus Alonso and Cesar Azpilicueta. And it was Callum Hudson-Roy, Hakim Ziyech, and Kai Havertz as your attacking three. Kepa, Marcus Bettinelli, Trev Chalaba, Saul, Ben Chilwell, Reese James, Saar, and Harvey Vale did not make an appearance, but it was Ross Barkley and Christian Plissick who all got an opportunity to come in for substitute appearances. Good for Harvey Vale, man. Like I, I, bench, I, multiple matches. Look, I, I mean, it's a, it is a big deal. It's not, you know, obviously, I think the commentary said this. Uh, and by the way, I thought the commentary was terrible today uh, for this match. But uh, they did say that Harvey Vale, you know, in, in a perfect world, Chelsea were up four nil or whatever, probably gets into this match, right? Because he he would have filled you know one of those midfield spots. So yeah, I mean, uh, look, I think. He has a very, very high ceiling, Brandon. This is a guy that I think everyone's looking to. You know, we, we talked about the academy and you know all these great players that are coming through. He he might be the next one, him and, and Connor and all these all these other guys. So uh we're we're keeping a special eye on him. Yeah, Phil and I talked about him on last week's Academy update. So he'd probably play one of the number tens, or he could play out wide as a wing back. Uh definitely. Uh, he's short, but again, it is important because he definitely would have played with the uh, Dev Squad slash U19s in the in the UEFA Youth League fixture where the uh, the boys ran out winning five nil. So we'll be covering that on Friday as well. No spoilers now, but yes, Harvey freaking Vale is uh, a goal scoring machine so far this season. So great to see him uh, get a little private jet time with the uh, full senior team. So anyway, some of the top line stats: Chelsea with seventy three percent possession. Uh, we had 22 shots, 11 of them on target. Mamo had four shots, none on target. Uh, saves, obviously none for the big Edouard Mendy. Uh, their goalkeeper making nine of 11 shots, or saved nine of the 11 shots on goal. So an extremely can we, busy day. Can we say saves in air quotes? Because this dude was terrible. Dolan? Yeah, dropping them out of bounds. Not- he dropping them, but he had a, he had a few that were were good saves. Okay. We had we had 11 out of 22 shots on target and we only had one goal. A couple of those were were good saves from him. Just not not all of them, 
maybe two or three. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> sure. Let's split the difference on that. I thought he was terrible. Dan thought he was really good. So somewhere in the middle is a very bang average Swedish keeper. Huh? Yeah. 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 For that, that's actually fair. So two cautions, Chelsea none from Malmo. Um, eight corners to their one, a couple offsides there one. XG philosophy tweeting Malmo had an expected goals of 0.21 to Chelsea's 2.64. So while we've been talking about how we've been overperforming the XG, finally underperforming it. Uh, lastly, one random stat op to Joe seeing 29 since Thomas Tuchel took charge of Chelsea in January. The Blues have kept at least nine more clean sheets in all competitions than any other side in the big five European leagues. Impenetrable. What a word. That I mean, first of all, the I love their formatting. Can we talk about Hop to Joe and just praise the formatting of their tweets? That is absolutely unequivocally absurd to have nine more clean sheets than any. Like, there's some great defensive teams out there. Like, like really, really good defensive teams and nine more clean sheets. You got teams, teams like Atleti, but then you've also got teams like Bayern who roll their leagues. But nine is a massive difference. To, to make a comparison, that would be like Usain Bolt against the three of us in our race. Like, that's the... That's how Dan, it would go. Dan, Nick, and I relaying a 100-meter race. And <laughs> Usain just... I would just throw it at the end. <laughs> Only way we might have half a shot. Um, yeah. Look, I think the... It's a lifestyle, man. Clean sheets is a, a, a state of mind. It's a vibe. It's an attitude. And it is very much a part of the fabric of Thomas Tuchel's instructions to this team. It's sewn in there, man. All right. Well, the NVPET shithouse moment of the match was... Look, there, there was, uh, can I just say, first of all, this you Malmo can. team, they're shithouse, man. Like, they, they were in the first game, obviously, injuring uh, our, our, our dearest Lukaku. And, and then uh, today was some pretty late, pretty ugly challenges um, in, in the mixer there. We got him back a couple of times, which I, which I really appreciated. Uh, but our boy, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, is feasting right now. The man has started to do the shimmies. He started to do the shoulder drops. He started to push people out of his fucking way. And uh, and then he started to take the ball and do magic things with it today. And so my shithouse moment of the match was when he was in midfield, two players closing in on him as he received the ball, flicks him up to himself and takes off and makes a really good pass to Kai Havertz, which he wasted, unfortunately. But uh, that was uh, pretty, pretty pretty good uh ruben getting quite the shout out in the post-match presser from the gaffer saying he deserves more than just to be a part of the group which is so so good (sighs) let's go all right wait we're gonna take a quick ad break get it out of the way then it's clean sailing after this but we do thank the sponsors for financially supporting the show and as always we promise we'll be back don't worry We'll, we'll be right back here we go all right, uh, no Patreon updates, but I uh, want to shout it out because I I didn't commit to a five-pod week earlier, Nick. I said four, maybe Very five. You. Very yeah, you know, look, I, I wanted to create some air. Some drama. And, you know, I, I, and Joe Tweeds heard the calling and said, I'm sick of your shit. Boom, how about an hour 45 Tinkerman pod in your face? Not on my watch, said Tweeds. Dikembe um, Mutumboed. Yep, got we yep, we got rejected there. But uh look, Tinkerman, Thursday. We're back. It, a little hiatus there on the on the Tinkerman, but New lots name. of good stuff. Same show. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, we're, we're back for for good reasons, which we cannot yet disclose publicly. But uh, we we like the Tinkerman show, and and uh, Joe's doing a really good job with that. And look, Burnley is is but a few days away, friends. So we're we're going to be back on Friday with Burnley, and then obviously a Chelsea youth update as Brandon and Phil have been cranking those out all year so uh exciting five pod week go back and listen to the women's episode we had a fun time with with jesse abdullah and uh and mia erickson making a first time appearance on the show big time guest big time guest and in case you didn't know the tinkerman it's a tactics pod so if you love tactics you're a nerd and you'll love this go so, deep anyways uh topic number one cobham graduates contribute in a positive way specifically callan and ruben shine in sweden callum stats from at statman dave Breaking it down, said 91 pass accuracy, 46 total touches, seven ground duels contested, six of those ground duels won. He attempted five dribbles, four of them were successful. Three chances created, two attempted tackles, two successful tackles, un assist, and provided the breakthrough. What a ball, Nick. Absolutely glorious. And that was a switch that he made at halftime from Tuchel. He put Ziyech on the left and Callum on the right. So they made a little flippy floppy. <laughs> Yeah, the I think in the Tinkerman show they'll probably go through the flippy floppy as a real tactical move. Genius, <laughs> uh, for, actually. Well, yeah, look, man. I mean, when you have good branding, uh, anything is possible. So, yeah, the flippy floppy, as it's now known, uh, <laughs> really, really worked. And uh, I mean, you have to say, of all of the of all the passes that we've seen this year, we've seen some really good ones. This was absolutely delicious. I mean. I actually thought he waited too long to play it, and it ended up being perfect. So what the fuck do I know? Uh, but he was just—he had so much room to make that pass, and then Ziyech had made a really finally stayed on side. He made a good onside kind of drag run behind the defender, and then took off at the right moment to to slot it home. But Dan, I mean, your reaction to the pass—the the pass made the goal. I mean, if if you're if you're doing like the pie chart, you're trying to figure out like what percentage goes to which person. That's a it's like the one where Garfield like cuts a piece of cake, and you think, oh, Garfield's gonna take one piece of cake. No, Garfield's taking the rest of the cake, and he has left you the slice. That is the pie chart. It's like ninety ten. Yeah, ninety ten is what I was gonna say. Yeah, because I mean, it was it was a beautiful tap in. And like credit credit to Zish, you know, for not skying it or letting it fall over his foot or anything like that. But I mean. He didn't have to do anything. And I think, to, to that point, Nick, I, I do think Callum waited because I think he realized Ziyech was offside, and so he had to slow back down. Either way, it ended up being pure sex on the field. Guys, it was so good that even I could have scored it. Um, oh, no. Bringing back, bringing back, back an oldie, but... But a goodie for, for the team. People there, already asked for the videos again, by the way, <laughs> so you just probably shouldn't use that line anymore. <laughs> hey, I got to get another chance, damn it. Come on back. All right. Yeah. Let me fly up to Minnesota in the winter. Sounds awesome. Look, I, I think the one thing I would say <laughs> with Callum, both uh, found more joy on the right. I think that was partially due to both Alonzo and Aspi. I don't really, really not have their best match on the day. And I think it made linking up and the contribution on either side a little difficult. But Aspi was at least playing into Callum a little bit more. There was kind of some space being created there that helped 
him get open, which he was not finding on the left-hand side today. And so I know Tuchel in the post-match kind of credits his uh, assistant manager for kind of the, hey, by the way, you should make this switch because it's going to produce something. And it did. So credit for uh, Tuchel being someone who listens to a great team that he's assembled around him and credit to Callum for taking his opportunity. And now there's only 245 matches to go. So, you know, just kind of ticking the box off one by one. But did you hear the reason why? It was because they were ta- they had to take one extra touch to cut back to their dominant foot. So Tuchel and it, well, I guess his assistants watched the first half. And I saw this, especially in the highlights as I was watching it back is that every time in the first half Callum got the ball, he had to cut it from left to right so he could shoot or cross. And it was just very predictable. He didn't want anything to do with his left foot driving to the end line. Same thing with Ziyech. He had to cut back into the middle to get to his left foot. And it just, they always ended up cutting into the midfielders or the attackers and crowded the space. So again, the level of detail that these guys are playing at, we're talking the the single digit percentages here. They're like changing three to six percent but it's making massive differences um and that's exactly what happened you know could you imagine if calm was on the other side that play was like flipped horizontally he would have to try to play with the outside of his right foot so like i love getting that insight from tuchel to say no we we saw that we changed it and and that's what happened you're like damn that you guys are good that's almost as if he's quite good he proved it. Absolutely proved it there. Uh, the other one being Ruben Loftus Cheek. All right. A little double barrel surname action here, right? A little Hudson Adoy, Loftus Cheek. Uh, Squawka breaking down his numbers because poor Statman Dave can't do everybody, you know? Come on, we, Come on just, Dave. It's a lot. Uh, 80 touches, uh, 30 passes in the final third, 14 duels won, which is House. the most. Eight final third entries, seven take-ons completed, which is the most. Seven touches in the opponent's box, four shots, four aerial duels won, which is the most. Uh, Three chances created, three possessions won, dominant in midfield. So he literally won the most duels in the entire game, whether it was aerially or on the ground. And not only that, created three chances. I mean, box to freaking box. This is this is the reincarnation of the Europa League run, Ruben that we saw back in in twenty eighteen nineteen. I mean, this is it's starting to get really really fun with him, and you know, obviously just knocking on every piece of wood you have available that he is able to stay injury free this year and and really build on these performances. But I thought it was it was a really it was a really good performance from him in general because Jorginho was able to dictate play with and, and tempo. And, you know, instead of where he's been paired up with Kovacic before and both of them kind of want to do the same thing and that, that's left Ruben to sit back a little bit more. Ruben got to get a little bit more advanced today, drive forward with the ball, Dan. And I think I think in a, you know, if we had our druthers, that would be the position that he would play. Yeah, he definitely found himself in a position to set the stage to set the table for others to do a good job and that didn't always come off as well as it would have or should have necessarily i think the other thing that was nice to see is actually him in the box you know if he can kind of realign his targeting sensors 
that first jump up, I mean, he's 6'4". Like, he's not the shortest guy in the box when you're going to take in a corner kick. And a little bit more direction on that, and he's the next goal scorer that gets added to the list here. We're talking about who the next person is because everybody's finding a way to contribute. And so uh, it's nice to see it's getting to a level of kind of the consistency of these performances, the comfort in finding goal contributions, Brandon, whether that be goals or assists. I mean, obviously had the one to set up Mason, but how can he continue to build upon that so he does find a way to really differentiate himself? Because if he can be the midfielder that's finding the way to assist more regularly or even add in the occasional goal, then Tuchel has the real kind of question mark on, wait a minute, like who who are the two that I'm going to play or who are the three, you know, who, who comes into that? You know, we've already talked about him maybe taking the fourth spot from Saul does he potentially displace one of the others and climb up the pecking order a little bit? I think if he can add a few goals, it's going to make it a lot harder. You know, maybe you switch to 3-5-2. But then obviously that makes it hard for all those wide players that normally play in the 10s. You know, maybe he does, right? Maybe the preferred lineup ends up being Conte Rubin, but I still think we're a ways off of that. Um Look, Ruben got his head on some set pieces, some crosses, to your point. Uh, he tried to curl a shot in from the top left to the, the far post corner, just, you know, leaned back a little too far, um, had the wrong club out for that one. But I think re- even without that, he's still a massive difference in the match, uh, regaining possession. He's just so damn hard to get around. Like, hit that big frame in the midfield... It's like with him and Conte, you almost have like three and a half players just because of the way that, that Conte plays and, and the size of Ruben. So it, it's definitely an advantage. And then you have the, the quote coming from Simon Johnson, who we just had on the pod. Uh, he had the quote from Tuchel saying, quote, about Ruben, sorry, quote, he was involved in many dangerous attacks, and I like Ruben a lot. He shows his potential. We all believe in him, and now it's up to him to show the consistency to fight his way into the team on a regular basis. Guys, I mean, he's there. Uh, he is, as far as what we've seen so far, like he he should be in contention in the starting eleven pretty much every single week. I mean, it's it's an astonishing turnaround. Save I Conte, mean, we've got our answer. Uh, I mean, but I I think that's that's part of what happened today, though, right? I mean, Conte stayed back, did some training, you know, got rested for the weekend, got our rotation in. You know, we know that we're missing Kovacic for a little a little bit as well, and. So, yeah, he's going to be a massive player um, in this stretch. I mean, it's it's only when we have a fully fit and healthy Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic that Loftus-Cheek might suffer a little bit with game time, but that has not happened yet this year. And so his, his impact, Dan, could be really, really crucial for a team that has not had the best luck with injuries so far this year. No, and... You know, the question mark that has been really has been around Ruben's whole career is can he stay fit? Can he stay healthy? And so the onus will also be on Tuchel and Chelsea to manage his workload effectively. I mean, he he looked good for the duration of this game in terms of minutes played. And I think the last time we saw him kind of felt like maybe... 60 plus minutes or so was kind of like a good place for him to get swapped out, to give somebody else an opportunity to keep him fresh. And so finding that right rhythm for him is going to be critical, just the same with Conte. But, 
you know, look, you know, you, you, you can have different wines at dinner, right? Like you can sub in a white and a red and, you know, you can have different midfielders for different types of situations, depending on what you're trying to deal with. So this is great. It's, it's a great problem for Tuchel to have if we have healthy midfielders who can all contribute in different ways, because then he can really do what he does best, dissect a team, come up with the best squad to beat them and beat everybody. And I, and I will say the the commentary must not have been watching the same game that we were watching because they said at the end, it was like the 85th minute, it was a shot of Ruben. They said he really struggled to implant his, his foot or put his footprint on the game or whatever. He ran the fucking show. He was my man of the match. And it, I don't think it's very close. Like, so, you know, it is funny what you, what you see or what you don't see as a Chelsea fan versus uh, a, a typical journalist. But I mean, he, I thought he was excellent today and the more available he makes himself. Right. And we're looking at all these young players and, and Tuchel has said the same thing about Callum uh, in, in previous weeks as well. So this is a consistency thing. Do it. Take take your opportunities. Take your chances, and there will be more of them. And I hope he does. Are you drinking all of those wines in one dinner, Dan? Or Brandon's hungover just thinking about it. Well, look, I mean, you don't Red, have to bottle yourself, white, you know. But you maybe kind of alternate, you know. Port, depending on what you're eating. I'm sorry to the people of Porto, but boy, I, that is just syrup. I that <laughs> that is tough. They use dates instead of grapes. Sorry. Ah. Um, all cool. right, the next one, the curious case of Havertz and Ziesch. And I'm going to read this verbatim. What's going on, Ziesch? <laughs> Nailed it, Dan. <laughs> Would you, is there a tweet that's elaborate? been deleted? Or do you just want me to just lay that on the table and see what happens? I, I think, you know, he's been the topic of conversation over the last few matches that he's had a chance to play. And some of the performances have been average to still off sides in that game and so it's just a matter of trying to piece what type of consistent performance what type of system or situation can we really rely upon ziesh for a sustained run or is it going to be just the kind of hot cold in form out of form occasionally gets a couple you know 10 matches you clear the punch card you get a goal like that that's kind of the the way I was thinking about it Nick is that like this is the point of like he gets the goal he probably is like one of the <laughs> one of the most challenging players to watch in the first like 15 20 minutes eventually finds his way into the game but still it's not the Ajax style highlights we're seeing of Ziyech like this is definitely a a much you know, his power has been lessened. His affinity gauntlet has been cleared. He is back to being kind of a, a normal version of himself. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think the system fits him at all, and 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 that's a shame because I think he he does have quality. But I mean, it's been clear for a while now. I mean, minus that that run that he had in preseason and and you know a couple of FA Cup and Premier League matches at the end of last season i mean he he has not really fired at chelsea i mean we just have to be honest about the sample size we have to be honest about his performances yes he gets the goal today um and i know it's weird to talk about him like this after he scored the winner but you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a complete performance from him by any means and you know you want to talk about probably the most competition of any of any positions in the field are the number 10 slots that we have between Mount, 
Werner, Havertz, Pulisic, Ziyech, Cal, you know, any of those guys could start. He has, while Cal has, I think, done a lot of good for himself over the last couple of weeks, I don't think Ziyech has. And so, I, you know, I just kind of hearken back to what we said a couple of pods ago, which is he's probably going to find game time pretty difficult to come come by um, as we as we get into the festive period because I just you know you're not you're not seeing enough Brandon to to justify playing him over Pulisic who looked pretty good when he came in. I think he looked good in the sense of he was involved. He put the ball in the box quite a bit, which is him trying to to create some things. It's also Malmo, so it's like, yeah, you should look better. But, like, the end result minus, you know, the goal just wasn't there. It was just not something that, um, unfortunately, you know, kind of came together the way we needed it to. And I think that's the, that's the concern that we have in those situations. Just want to see more. We want to see something mm-hmm. consistent. Like, did he look bright and active today? Absolutely. Ran a lot. Got in good spots. Got in good places. Got the goal, yada, yada. But it's still something that we're hoping to see more from, more of him, and in bigger games. I mean, again, today was pretty easy for the most part, and he looked good, but that that's not that's not the standard that it needs to be. Uh, for Kai Havertz, Naz tweeted that Havertz might not be notching up the goals, and this is Naz talking here. He says, but I agree with Tuchel that he's contributing well at the moment. I like what he's playing at the moment. I can see and feel how hard he fights for the team and what effort he puts in, end quote, from Tuchel there at the end. Done well versus low box, low blocks in recent weeks. And that's my point. Kai has been the sacrificial lamb. He's been playing against ridiculously defensive teams, no space, a ton of aerial service. What the hell does Kai want to do with the ball at his chest when he's got big center backs up in his back? Like, he's had to take one for the team, in my mind, and ever since Lukaku got hurt. I mean, I, I see that, and then I also see some pretty bad fluff chances, too, right? And I think both things can be true. Like, his his job up there, yes, is to is to play the ball and, like, you know, bring the bring other players into play and, and run the channels and all that stuff, but it's also to score goals. And his finishing has been pretty poor this year. I mean, like, like not good. He's not firing. I mean, Ruben put him in with an inch-perfect ball that, you know, a confident Havertz smacks to the far post, and, and we call it a day real early in the second half, and he doesn't he doesn't do anything with it. I mean, Ziyech put him through, too, and, and he didn't finish. Uh, I, I am a little worried for, for as much as Tuchel is seeing Dan and, and some of the other uh components of his play that that we're not getting goal output from him and it's having to come from other areas unfortunately well so i think the overall play and the shooting are maybe two distinct things like i would praise the overall play i mean he's he's finding places to drop in and back i mean he set up callum to set up ziesh so like he's finding ways to involve himself and in, in play to Brandon's point, I don't think he's going up against some of the kindest opposition, anyone that's, there's no one really demanding additional attention. And so Kai is kind of getting all the focus versus 
maybe in his time at Leverkusen where he kind of split some of that attention and didn't have to always be the you know focal point. A little bit of a different ass there. I do think the shots are interesting in terms of just the power he's placing behind it or maybe like the extra touch. I think that's been a little weird. Um, I would like to see that improve because I think that that is something that is it's fixable like you know I, I think to the thing like when we talk about like even Ziyech right like Ziyech has fixable things and non-fixable things right like Havertz has things that are just going to be predominantly the way he does it all the time and like it's not a fixable thing but like the power you're shooting with the angle you're taking um it'd be more of a problem if he wasn't finding his way into that space now he just needs to get back to a scoring form that is more reminiscent of his pre-Chelsea time versus post-Chelsea time. Yeah, I think, again, a lot of our struggles aren't done to him. Nick, I take your point. He definitely should have scored tonight. Um, but I also think that he has to... Normally, he'd be making different runs, and I think finding himself in a better position versus being the focal point and having two on him or being like the lead the line run. So that's that's the only thing back. But yes, he's still getting chances that you would expect him to do better with, and I'm sure he feels the same. But um, I, again, I think it's very fair to say he's not in his ideal position. And it's good to note that he is not a traditional striker, and we should not play him up there or pretend to, even though Tuchel did quite a bit last season. So funny funny how things change yeah but uh, the difference with that is that fluid system really allowed him to sometimes come in from the left or sometimes come to the right because he would be connecting with Werner or with mount and like this was a very positionally static front three until it got flipped because the rest of the time it was Havertz could make a run forward he could make a run yeah. back and he <clears> didn't have like a lot of latitude to go really anywhere else so like, I, I think that's maybe where you did see it being successful last season is because there's a lot of interchange, a lot of quick balls, a lot of quick movement, and that's that wasn't happening. Like, Ziyech wasn't playing a ton of quick balls in. Like, they were trying to push it wide to the end and then come back in, um, and that really, you know, Ruben was kind of an island at times. Kai was in an, a lot of an island at times. And so just, we're, you know, we're not playing with, everyone that we would typically pick in the starting 11 or you know, even playing kind of some of our best games, which not everyone did, but we still get out of it with three points. You know, we're, we're kind of picking nits here. That's what we do. Pulisic is back. He has risen. He has risen indeed. He flew, I, I, got off the plane, walked out the tunnel, touched the pitch. He's back. You know, what, 20 minutes? I mean... It's more than I thought he would get. I mean, I predicted he'd get 10 minutes in garbage time today, so uh, that that's good. I thought he looked okay, too. I mean, he missed the setter at the end, which is just a massive shame for him because uh, I think that would have done a world of good for his confidence to slot that one home and, and call it a day with the last kick of the ball. But, you know, he bobbed in and out of their back line. Uh, I thought he connected well on the right-hand side. And, um, you know, I, I, think, I think his whole challenge now is just – how how uh, effective he can be over the next, let's call it, six weeks. And if he goes back to the U.S. for training. You know, because that is the, for the World Cup qualifiers, I should say, and, and also training. But that's going to be the key. 
is does he does he go now that he's like kind of ish fit or do they hold him back and i don't know what the right answer is i mean you're the biggest u.s men's national team fan here you know like we're in a okay position you know it's not like it's wrapped up i'm pretty conflicted as far as like do i want to go back right like that's the that's the tough part about pulisic and this upcoming international break it's mexico u.s mexico at at home uh and you know if it i think if it were me today knowing where he's come from and knowing that he's just getting back to kind of playing i would hold him back at chelsea and and allow him to continue to get match fit um but it would not shock me if he goes because like greg's got to think long term not that he'll necessarily be in that job um but anyways uh but you know, like you don't want to limp him along all season you want him to get healthy be a hundred percent get a good run of games so when we qualify for the damn world cup he's ready otherwise he's gonna go in crocked and that won't help anybody um mendy faces zero shots on target again he probably didn't even make your man of the match pool dan so whatever 12 clean sheets and 16 champions league matches for chelsea like what do you what do you want from him it's amazing like it's (laughs) It's going to be one of those things that, like, years from now, um, hopefully many years with uh, tons of data behind it, um, where it's just going to be like a weird stat. And you're going to wonder why this guy never got into Ballon d'Or. And I think it's going to be because of the fact that the defense is so good, he gets a little underrated. Like, the, yeah. the team defending is so good. The shots that we restrict teams to and the quality of shot that they end up taking typically tends to be lower or lower quality shot doesn't take away from the fact that like this is also a bit of an individual you know recognition for him the work that he's done so yeah i, I wanted this to be a moment for us to celebrate mendy brandon busby and you try to turn it into a, a little bit of a personal attack I and mean, i don't appreciate that well until it's- my agenda has been fulfilled <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I guess Ren were in third place in 2019-2020. Isn't that the last season he was there before he came to us? Yeah. Correct. So so fact check, yes. <laughs> thank oh, now I finally get a an, an important fact check. Um but you know, that that is such a wild two years for Mendy. You know, uh a good team in Ligue 1 but not setting the world alight, comes to Chelsea to replace the world's most expensive goalkeeper in Kaparitha Balaga, has, a, has an okay start, you know, not great, has a, has a pretty good run, and then the next season just, <laughs> just absolutely dominant in all capacities, switches managers halfway through the season, no problem, right? He's a goalkeeper. He, his job doesn't really change, <laughs> you know, uh, but his... His growth and his presence, right? He's much more commanding and visibly uh, in command than his first season. Uh, his ability to play with his feet is just significantly better. Uh, his first season, there's a couple times he kind of tripped and he kind of shanked, and you're like, oh shit, Bendy with the ball at his feet. Now he's like taking with the outside of his foot, opening up his body, playing confident passes to feet, and sometimes you still go, <sighs> Didn't need to play that, but he's doing it with confidence, even into pressure. So, uh, again, I just yep. think he has grown so, so much, which is why now I have an interesting question for you guys. 
Is it credit to Mendy or was the coaching staff always good and Kepa just didn't respond to it? Because something's going on. Mendy has responded to the training phenomenally. For whatever reason, it it just didn't click with Kepa. I, I mean, I th- I think it's I think it's down to him. I, like I I wouldn't. I, I don't think this is about anyone else but Edouard Mendy, and I think it would be unfair to put part of his success on anyone else here. I mean, this is a guy who legitimately. Um, has come in, earned his stripes, is one of the top five goalkeepers in the world right now, could be number one, depending on which stats you're looking at, and is is a lion. I mean, the dude, is, he, is, he has come alive as a leader in the team. Uh, I, it is down to him, his work, his work ethic, and yeah, the work that he is is putting in day in day out, and he deserves all the credit in the world. I mean, it is it's a fascinating thing to think about, but I think until until proven else uh, otherwise, uh, let's put it on him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dan, of the match time as we head out on this one. Well, I uh, gave people four choices, but I really didn't. It was Callum option one, Hudson Doy option two, Ruben option one. And Loftus Cheek option three, it just or four, because uh, double barrel names don't give you the option. Like you, you run out of characters in that field. So I needed to make sure they got all the plot that's necessary. Uh, and look, Loftus Cheek won by a landslide, forty-one percent. Ruben with twenty-nine percent. Hudson Odoi with twenty-one, and Callum with eight. So uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek is your Dan the Match winner. A uh, little shade because Jorginho wasn't put in there, which. You know, gets the official man of the match, doesn't end up in Chelsea's poll, but we get the slating. I don't know. I don't know. I just put the poll out. Yeah. It was uh, Ruben. The right choice was made. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. So other results uh, from across the, the first match day. Um, yeah, Wolfsburg beating Salzburg. That's RB Salz- Salzburg. 2-1, uh, Villarreal beating Young Boys 2-0, uh, which it sounds like their manager might be headed back to the Premier League. Uh oh, Newcastle. Good evening. Which and then I think good, someone said good that's evening. Manchester United playing forty chess because they're going to take the number one team's manager out of the group and send it to Newcastle. Shit is wild. Uh, Juventus doing us no favors, beating uh, Zenit four to two in the other match in our group. Uh, Bayern redeeming some uh, confidence after getting smashed earlier in the in the German Cup. Uh, they won five two over Benfica. Lille winning two one over Sevilla. Uh, Barcelona getting another rare win against Dynamo Kiev, one nothing, and then Atalanta and Manchester United two two Ole at the wheel. Uh, so the group stands: <laughs> Juventus in first place on twelve points, Chelsea in second on nine, Zenit in third on three, and Malmo in fourth and four on zero points. Sorry, they have they have absolutely no points. Pr- pretty safe at this point. You have the thing. Yeah. The thing is, you have two more matches. So the, the most impossible thing would have to happen. Zenit would have to beat us and Malmo and to get all six points and somehow overtake our plus five goal difference. So um, it's we not... have to draw. It's not, yeah, well, it's not well, done, done. One but, draw and we're done. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. But we do have Zenit and Juventus left to, to play. So hopefully that Juve match is just a dead rubber by the time we well, get no, to it. Hopefully we win the Juve match so we finish top of the group. Look, you're, that like, would be ideal. We're going to say that and then we're going to draw... Some powerhouse. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. 
Um, either way, we we have to advance at this point, but we're we're doing the business right. It looks good. We're we're in a good spot. Not perfect, but we're in control. Yeah, I mean, we, we take care of business. The last two, we finished first, and you know, let the UEFA gods decide which top quality team they're going to pit against us from from the second pot. I mean, that, that's that's how it's going to go. It, 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 we've said this last year. You got to play good teams. You got to beat good teams in this competition. You know. I don't think anyone wants to be drawing us right now. So, All right. Uh, we're going to end on a terrible note, which is Antonio Conte is officially signed with Spurs. Just want to touch on it because of the huge Chelsea link. And I think a lot of us talk about the passion that we... Uh, or I shouldn't, sorry. The passion that Conte had while he was at Chelsea until it did turn bitterly sour uh, and ended in, in very um, unfavorable terms. Um, but holy shit. How? First of all, Dan, do you go from no shot in the summer, you're in an unambitious, pathetic group of losers, to, oh, 10 games into the season, you barely won them? Yeah, this looks like a far more enjoyable project. How much, how much extra cash do you think that Levy had to give him? The, the meme that I saw that was really funny was Conte and Mourinho talking to each other. Yep. And Mourinho making the comment to Conte, you don't have to win anything, and they'll pay you to leave. Yeah, it says... <laughs> They'll pay you a lot to be there. They'll pay you to leave. And while you're there, you don't even have to win. <laughs> what the hell, man? Like, look, I, I think there are people who wax poetic about times and don't always necessarily look back. I think it's easy to also have a knee-jerk reaction in the moment. Like, yes, Quante's first season was absolute magic and will go down. Like, we, we were there for... Yeah, basically the uh, the week before the title was lifted and we were landed the night that Spurs uh, ended up losing uh, to West Ham. And uh, it was a party the whole time we were there. And it was a great season. Um, the season afterwards was pretty terrible. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think this kind of gets into this whole like, where does he sit on like the the ranking of all time Chelsea managers? Like. I mean, anytime I think you win a title and you win two trophies, you're probably in a category, but I don't, this doesn't hurt like in a way that I I think it would. And I think twofold, Nick, that's one because Tuchel is, is that damn good. And we're fresh off a champions league win. Uh, And this is another time the second point, another time where a team that we could continue to look at as being like the younger brother who just doesn't accomplish stuff and continues to fuck up makes the decision to go like get the hand-me-down versus like try to you know come up with a different strategy i mean look i mean antonio conte is a very 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 good coach there is no bones about it i mean he won the title last year with inter did some incredible work with lukaku that we hopefully will see a lot of benefit from this year and you know he is not he's not Mourinho. You know, it's kind of the twilight of his coaching career. I mean, he's still in the prime of his coaching career. So inevitably, I think this will make Spurs better. Uh, the question that I had and that I was getting some flack for, because, of course, I know Patrici is, uh, I think that's how you say his name, is a sporting director and, like, that's what changed or whatever. I, I get it. Here's what hasn't changed at Spurs and why it's doomed to fail. Uh, their budget is still what it is. Uh, and he is going to need players to be competitive. He knows that. They know that. They're just ignoring it. He bank- uh, He literally fine. bankrupted Inter 
by yep. demanding the players they gave him. He won the Scudetto, and it still didn't work out. So Yeah, I, it wasn't just him bankrupting them. They were pretty bad before that, but whatever. Levy is still there, and him and Levy are not going to get along whatsoever. There's no amount of winning that will, will take that shine away. Uh, their players are still bang average. That squad is not very good anymore, and it's lost a lot of the the pop it had when when Potch was there. And Harry Kane still doesn't want to be there. So tell me how this could possibly work. I mean, it, inevitably, I think that they will see the new manager bump. They, they have to because he is that good of a coach. I just don't see how it's possible that this will last any more than a season or a season and a half or something like that because he is he's too much of a liability from a personality perspective for it to for for anything to work like this. I mean, it's it's a tinderbox waiting for him to explode in and but but Nick, did you not read his Instagram posts talking about the contagious enthusiasm and determination mm. of Mr. Levy and wanting to entrust me with this task? I mean, well, as, on, that sounds like a match made in heaven. As <laughs> as you know, uh, I think uh, his English must have uh, gotten a lot better uh, s- since the last time that, that we saw him. Or, and hear me out, someone ghost wrote this for him, and he doesn't mean a fucking word of it. Um, he wrote that the club has the ambition to be a protagonist again. Like, the only thing you're fucking protagonizing incredible. Is, is the memes that we're going to write about oh, you. Like, man. they just celebrated. You know, it's a horror movie, man. Like, what, you have to think about what's the what's the theme of show this protagonist is going to be in. It's not an epic drama or, like, hero story. It's right. Look, it's it's murder, murder show. <laughs> they just celebrated their five thousandth day without a trophy. So like huge fucking milestone. I hopefully Harry took the match ball home with him. So I yeah, I just don't I don't see how it's gonna work. I think he'll get some good out of Harry Kane, which will make them better too. But I mean think about their squad. It's just not it's just not very good. And you know, pour one out for poor Nuno because I, I, I got a bunch of people saying, oh, do you still like Nuno? Because I liked him when he was at Spurs and he did a good fucking job at Spurs, by the way, or at Spurs, at Wolves. Uh, he did a bad job at Spurs. Uh, but it, I again, th- there is no deodorant for that stink. Like, I mean, they would have to replace the whole squad. I think they'll get a lift, right? Because Conte doesn't accept anything other than a fucking thousand percent a hundred percent of the time um they have a good run in right so they'll play vitessa in the conference league on thursday which someone needs to educate antonio conte what the fuck that is oh we're playing in the ucl this season that was the thing they told him they're playing in the ucl they just admitted the fact it was conference league uh they've got everton away then they've got leeds at home then they've got mura whoever the f- they don't even have an icon in google uh in the ecl and then they play burnley brentford norwich wren and then brighton brighton i'm gonna say brighton's their next hard match like they have a really good run and the thing is like antonio conte doesn't need to get much out of them for them to go on like a five six match unbeaten streak which is kind of crazy and I think when I saw the list of fixtures, I'm like, shit, this is the best time to sack him. Because you're literally letting Conte have three weeks plus an international break to like work with these players and not have highly competitive matches. So I think they'll get a boost. But to your point, Nick, at the end of the day, I don't see it working out. Do I still have love and affection for Antonio Conte? Yeah. Do I respect him? Absolutely. 
but I hope Chelsea go and smash the shit out of them uh, when they play him. I think we still have to play him twice this once. No, no, we already played him yeah. at their place. So it, it, he's we, gonna re- he's gonna return to Stanford Bridge some I think sometime in the spring. Yeah. And boy, that'll be that'll be uh, a little crazy. Look, it was fun. You know, here, here's what I hope for that. Like you get you get a little pause because you know what you you, you left winning some trophies. Um, but then we just sing about Super Tommy Tuchel for 90 minutes and, you know, remind him that he left the greatest fans in the history of the world. Hey, at the end of the day, remember that Spurs are taking our leftovers, right? They're not taking Tuchel from us. It, do not confuse the fucking hierarchy in the world, okay? They got. I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not you. I'm just saying people out there, right? Like, yeah, Dan. You can't people say. Stop confusing it. You, people, <laughs> hey, you're trying to put it like, hey. Chelsea Tottenham share managers. No, 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 no. That is not how it works. Like, as much as I love Antonio Conte, like, that ship has sailed, and good luck. This is the biggest challenge, literally, of your life, and I hope it does not go well so you can get out of there and find something else abroad that that is great. But Chelsea are going to go to Tottenham, absolutely smash the shit out of them, and it's going to be fun to watch. End of. imagine, Imagine what happens... Let's just say sometime in the festive fixtures, once he's implemented his system, if they go and lose to Burnley or something like that, he'll lose his mind. He's gonna burn down oh the training God. facility. <laughs> he's the he's gonna he's gonna take everything out on these guys, and they're not gonna know how to respond because they don't have the same character of leadership that Chelsea had when when he was here. I mean, it, you know. There was a nice combination, you know, when he was here that that allowed him to do his thing and for our players to do their thing. And, you know, anyway, enough enough talk about Spurs on this podcast. Yeah, uh, we're good. They suck the end. We're going to wrap. So anyways, uh, Malmo, we got the three points. Uh, final score, one nothing. Goal of Hakim Ziyech. Ruben Callum, stars of the match uh, in their own right for, for what they did uh, and all their running and effort. So great to see. We'll be back again. Uh, the Tinkerman episode coming at you Thursday and the Burnley match preview on Friday. So a five for five week. Going to be a good one. So anyways, midweek, it's time for us to go to bed. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.